Hello, and welcome to the QBW Podcast with me, your host, Carol Holtzclaw. Let's dive right in. Hello, Ashley Battle. Welcome to the QBW Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to do this with you. Awesome. I'm super excited to have you on. You're my very first guest. Um, and I'm excited to be able to call you a friend. Um, but you have actually had an incredible career, both playing um, and now working in the sport industry. And you've also done a bit of a pivot within your career. Um, and so I just think you're super interesting, you know, as far as having a first guest um, to kind of talk about what it means to be a black woman in the, a black woman in the sport industry, because you are in such a male dominated position right now when, you know, the whole climate of the sport industry is very male dominated. So um, I would love to jump right in and uh, turn it over to you as far as what your background looks like and what you're doing now. Sure. Absolutely. Um, thank you for the warm introduction. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I was the only girl in the all boys basketball team in fifth grade, which was oh, wow. Lot, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. Like even the the guys to this day, they'd be like, "Yeah, man, Ash was always getting picked first. So I was I was super athletic as a kid. Um, it's ended up going on to have uh, successful basketball careers in their own right, you know, playing overseas, played in the G League, um, got called up to uh, some games in the NBA and high school. Some of them went on to play in college. So it was a, it was a pretty good fifth grade basketball team. Uh, then I played AAU basketball. Um, I started playing that in the fifth grade as well. Um, we went it, I went to a tournament it was a boys tournament and the coaches there was like, Hey, you should play AAU. And I had no clue what that was. I had <laughs> no idea. And I'm just like, what's AAU? <laughs> They're just like, uh, it's, you know, a program where, you know, it's all girls team. And I'm like, Oh, that would be cool. So every day I would just, you know, bother my AAU, my basketball coach and be like, Hey, so is it time? Is it time? Is it time? Is it time? And this would, I mean, if you know now, like I know now, like AAU really doesn't start until the spring. This was like in November. <laughs> I would <laughs> is it time is it time is it ready can I go can I go and he's like you have months like relax like there's months to wait uh so I ended up you know playing AAU for the Western PA Bruins uh there we had a really really good team and our, probably like our top seven went D1 uh in the likes of Villanova Penn State West Virginia Virginia Tech um, Robert Morris, Duquesne. I mean, we had we had a lot of players, and then myself going to UConn. So we had a lot of players who did uh, really well athletically. And and then from there, I ended up going to a boarding school in Wheeling, West Virginia, which is not. It's, it was very much like the first Prince of Bel Air, you know. In that <laughs> so when, like when you when you think of like an inner city kid going to like a rich white high school, that's pretty much like how it was. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and it was kind of, I could have gone in the seventh grade to boarding school, but I didn't want to wear a uniform. I didn't want to leave my friends. I didn't want to leave my family. Eighth grade, I took the admissions test, didn't want to leave. 
you know, for all the same reasons, going into the ninth grade, my mom's like, Ash, like this is, get, this is getting a little redundant here. You know, you, you're not, you don't have to stay there if you don't want to, you can come home. And it, you know, a light bulb just went off and it's like, oh wait, I can't come home. Like it's not, I don't have to stay if I don't like it. Um, so I end up going and for orientation and they were like, oh, you decided to come like the day of orientation. <laughs> like they had no clue that I was going there. And so I had to, you know, when you go to a boarding school, it's pretty much like going to college. So I went down there. My mom couldn't even take me because she had to work. So my AAU coach, Dan Kell, he took me down uh, to Wheeling, which is about an hour outside of Pittsburgh. And I just came with like with the clothes on my back. So my mom, she had to come and bring, you know, toiletries, bedding, you know, pencils, like all this stuff that I needed to like survive <laughs> because I just literally just came down with, with nothing. I had to get a uniform, books, all this stuff. Um, and they were, you know, super helpful and, and I'm super gracious for having gone there. Um, for after that, I ended up getting recruited uh, by a lot of schools UConn, um, you know, probably every, every school except for North Carolina and Tennessee are the two schools I didn't get recruited by. Oh, wow. Um, and that was that was pretty a fun process. Um, I narrowed it down very quickly. Well, actually, I wanted to go to Stanford. So I thought for sure I was West Coast bound. I was so <laughs> like out of here. I thought for sure going to the West coast, but essentially, you know, I ended up not going there and narrowed it down to three schools to, um, UConn, Penn state and Duke, um, Penn state. I, I, you know, I had friends that were already there and friends that were going there, but it, it just didn't seem right for me. And then Duke, my mom was like, you know, it's Duke. Like, how do you turn down Duke? Like, girl, what is wrong with you? Like, it's, <laughs> you know, and, and I was just like, you know, I could go there and fail out. I, I just feel like you make the university, you make that experience, you know, the most you want to get out of it. You know, you can be in the likes of some of the best universities and not do well. Or, you know, I could go to a really good state school in UConn and end up getting a double major and having a great athletic career as well. And so that's, you know, what I ended up doing. Mm -hmm. And that's that's pretty much my upbringing in a nutshell, in a quick in a quick easy nutshell. Oh yeah, that sounds quick and easy. So you were incredibly talented on the basketball court, um, and so now how has that influenced what it is that you're doing career wise? You know, what did you do when you first got out of school, and what are you up to now? Sure. Uh, so while I was in school, I had an internship with Nike. And I was doing um, sports marketing with Nike, college, women's basketball, WNBA, and uh, high school. So essentially, it would be like, if it, WNBA-wise, it'd be like, okay, if you would just kind of help, you know, the athletes with anything that they needed, um, if they needed more shoes for, to play in, or if they needed something, I would help with that. Uh, College-wise, I got to help pick who was gonna, who I thought would be great Nike schools if they weren't already a Nike school. Um, and I had, I had an opportunity to select, you know, if they were going 
should we give them money or should they get merch? Like how, how should that deal look like? So I was able to construct the deals and for high school, it was just, I was just kind of really helping out and, and doing like the, uh, the, they had a Nike camp back then, which they don't have anymore, but I'm sure one day that'll come back into play. Um, so I didn't know if I was going to get drafted Mm. and I was one of those players that was deemed a defensive player who couldn't score, which, you know, I don't know why people, you know, put labels on athletes like Mm -hmm. that because it's not necessarily the case because I still scored over a thousand points at UConn. Oh, wow. Which is a difficult thing to do. Um, But, you know, that's, that's who I was. That's what I was labeled as, as an athlete. And I got invited to the WNBA combine and they don't even have these anymore. And I feel for like the fringe players like myself, because that really helped me. Mm. Um, So the first couple of days, and it's very similar to the NBA combine where the first couple of days you're doing drills, you're playing, you know, two on two, three on three. Mm -hmm. And those first couple of days, I was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I was god awful. I don't know what what I was thinking. I was probably just super nervous, you know, because I felt probably felt like, you know, my basketball career kind of hung on how well I played. So I was probably mm-hmm. nervous and didn't do well. So the last day, it was like, all right, you know, I don't care. <laughs> you know, literally, it was like the last day. I was like, whatever. And it was like pickup. And I don't think I missed a shot. Oh, wow. I don't think I missed the shot. It was, I mean, I gave them everything that was in my, in my bag. It was so crazy that <laughs> it was so crazy that like every time, anytime some, anytime I shot it, people would be like, Oh, <laughs> and I could see Jessica Moore in the corner and she's like biting her nails. Like, this is crazy. People are calling Gino. Like you won't believe what Ashley battles doing. He's like, yeah, I do. Cause um, I see it every day in practice. So I'm sure she's like, crushing everybody because that's what she does and so like <laughs> and uh I mean it was like the craziest experience and and Jenny Busek came up to me after the combine was like I think you just got yourself drafted and I was like huh okay you know not really you know taking her word for it or anything like that and I was just like all right you know we'll see okay we'll see and sure enough you know Seattle ended up drafting me um to play and and I, and I was okay if I didn't get drafted because I did well at Nike and I had a job offer. So I was just like, you yeah, know, if I get drafted, okay. I get drafted. If I don't, okay, oh well, you know. And um, I ended up getting drafted uh, to Seattle where, you know, I'm like, this is great. You know, Sue was already there um, at Seattle. She's a really good friend of mine. And then the first round draft pick was Tanisha Wright. And she and I grew up together in Pittsburgh uh-huh. playing playing basketball so I'm like this couldn't get any better (laughs) (laughs) like I'm like this is awesome even though I'm going to the other side of the other side of the country but I'm with like two of my good friends so I was just super elated and ecstatic for that and sure enough you know I'm going through practice and the coach the assistant coaches are coming up to me it's like okay you know and Donovan wants to see you rebound so I would rebound she wants to see you shoot so I would score and she wants to see you play defense. I play defense. And I had, like, I was playing pretty well. And then they're like, Ann wants to talk to you. So I go in, and I'm just like, what's up? And and she ended up releasing me from the team. 
and her her what she said to me and I'll, I'll never forget it and you know r.i.p and donovan and yeah. she he says to me she goes i don't like your height and i'm like huh like it's not really something i could control you know like i i'm like okay oh my goodness yeah. <laughs> i'm like all right well thank you for the opportunity and i just walked out and when i left um you know i got pulled in by the assistant coaches and and they're just like, you know, I'm sorry. Like, you know, they are apologizing for her because I think they were fighting for me to stay on the team because I was playing pretty well, you know. And and one thing that I learned from that experience, which is helping me today, is that oftentimes it's not necessarily about your talent level. You know, it's about, mm. it's about you know, your, it's, sometimes it's just about the money and it mm. has nothing to do with your talent level. And, and that's an experience that I carry with me today with the work that with the work that I do. Um, so I had a decision to make. You know, do I reach back out to my Nike contacts or do I go overseas and try to prove to myself and to others that I'm capable of playing in this league? And it was just grinding in me because I knew I was talented enough. So mm-hmm. I went overseas, I played, you know, and pretty much the rest is history. I go to New York and I end up having a pretty successful career. In New York, overseas, I played pretty well until until I had a nasty injury that really derailed my career. So um, that injury was a sprained ankle, and I was having hip problems. So I would jump in the air, and I'd have this pain originate in my hip and slide down my leg, and my mm. leg would come. And I would pop back up, and I'm, and I was just like, wow, that was really weird. Take a couple days off, the same thing would happen. So in that game, that following weekend, I end up spraining my ankle to the point where I couldn't walk. And, and I'm not really a sweller. So for me to swell in general is just like it's, something's really wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something's really, really wrong. If I, if I'm, I mean, I, I tore ligaments in my elbow and didn't swell. You know, oh, wow. like it, it's a very, it's not a common thing for me to, to swell. Even today, I still don't really swell that often. Um, and you know, my foot was pretty much the size of my calf. <laughs> and so it oh was, gosh. I, I couldn't fit it in boots. I couldn't do anything. It was kind of crazy. Um, and of course, you know, the team's like, Hey, can you play? I'm like, I can't walk, let alone play. Right. Uh, so that really derailed my career. I mean, that, that pretty much, that injury pretty much ended my career and come to find out, um, I end up having, two bulging discs in my back. Um, I had my labrum and my hip was torn in two different places and the ankle, which looked the worst was, is the best off. Like it's pretty much fine. I may have some arthritis in there, but it's pretty much fine. Um, and so now I had another decision to make, you know, what am I going to do for work? Am I going to try to get better in order to compete and play again, or am I just going to hang it up? And and I thought, you know, I, I had a pretty successful career in the WNBA, and I thought I would at least get a, a call to go to a tryout. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen, and I was just really, like, bitter for a long time. Like, I was just bitter. Mm. And because I, you know, I was just mad at basketball because it's just not how I wanted it to end, and my you know, so I was just grumpy all the time. 
And, and you and you know me, Kara. Like, am I? I'm never grumpy. No, not at all. Oh, that would be very out of the norm for you. Right. Like, I am just. I am never like a grumpy person. And and my mom, you know, she she's just you know the best. And so she, I was in the house playing Guitar Hero. And I don't know if, if, if a lot of you know what Guitar Hero is. So it's like literally this game where you're holding a plastic guitar and the notes, <laughs> are, and the notes are like on the screen and you have to like match the color with your fingers and, and, you're not, and you're strumming, but it's like this little stick that moves up and down. And so I'm over here jamming, probably at least I think I'm jamming to like some Aerosmith song that I love. And it was probably like Dream On or something like that because I love that song. And... And, my, and I could feel my mom's eyeballs like burning in the back of my neck. And, and I turn, I finish, I put everything away and she's still looking at me in disgust, just looking at me like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, why are you looking at me like that? And she's just like, why don't you just play a real guitar? And I'm like, fine. And she's like, fine. And I'm like, fine. And so we then went out that day and I bought a guitar and we started taking <laughs> lessons. And so, and and, it, and I think in part, it was one of those things that helped me also focus on something else outside of basketball. Right. And, and help, it really helped bring me out of my funk really and, and depression and the things that I was going through mentally because I was able to kind of channel and challenge myself in a different light that I hadn't done before. Um, and so she and I start taking like mother daughter lessons with a childhood friend of ours, of hers, um, named Mark Strickland, who I call him Mark Guitar Virtuoso Strickland, but <laughs> he would that he isn't, but he totally is. Um, and so I started taking guitar lessons, and you know I still take lessons to this day by him, and it, and it's very therapeutic for me. Um, whenever I feel overwhelmed or just have a lot that's racing in my mind, I, I like to pick up my guitar and, you know, just practice and, and things that I think I could do or try to challenge myself in some capacity. But it was, it was definitely, it definitely helped, you know, me transition and in, into a different space, but I was still angry with basketball and wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. So, I, so I went into finance and, and I was just like, all right, I'm a numbers person, you know, I have an economics degree. I understand numbers really well. Let's do this. And so I go into banking and I'm, I'm a branch manager. I worked my way up. I actually, I was uh, like a, like a, uh, a personal banker, you know, so I would help, you know, clients and customers when they would come in and they were like, Oh, you could go over there and talk to them. Mm -hmm. and then like set up accounts and stuff like that. So I would, I would do that. And then I got promoted to branch manager. And now, I know, right? Fancy. And, <laughs> and when you come into this, come into a branch and be like, oh, okay, well, you know, can I talk to your manager? So now you had to come over and talk to me about, you know, things that's going on with your account. Um, but I was just kind of bored. You know, mm -hmm. I was reaching my goals. It wasn't challenging. I was just like, man, I don't know if I could do this for 30 years. And, um, and I knew that the people above me were relatively young. So it was going to take, I was going to probably have to move out of market if I was going to stay within 
this organization, or I was going to have to move to a different bank in order to, you know, move up the ladder. Mm -hmm. And so simultaneously, as I'm thinking about all of this, Maria Conlon calls me, who's a very good friend of mine at, from UConn, and we've been friends for forever. Um, her AAU team and my AAU team, we'd always be on the, like, the same flights, stay in the same hotels. It was crazy. And we'd just be like, just became like really good friends throughout the years. Um, and so she was just like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm bored, Mia, I'm bored. <laughs> and she was just like, hey, I think I have, you know, something for you. Why don't you come up and, and interview for this financial planning firm that I'm working for? So I go up, I interview, and I end up becoming um, like the person who's in charge of new business development for pretty much the whole firm. And so working with advisors and trying to help them, you know, get into different markets and develop strategies on how they're going to do that and how they're going to sustain in those markets. Cool. Uh, but it's a lot for one person because there was like 300 advisors. Oh, okay. And yeah. So, I mean, if it was like a smaller, I think it would have been like really, really good. Um, so I ended up moving to a smaller boutique firm where I helped build, um, their sports and entertainment division, which was a lot more manageable. It was very new. And um, this really like put me back into sports. Oh, okay. Um, I had to, you know, when you're, when you're doing those things, you're, you're getting reconnected with leagues, reconnected with people within the league. You're talking to athletes, you're talking to agents, you're talking to GMs, you're talking to like all these different people because you're, you're essentially, you want to build a portfolio to help athletes, you know, transition when they're done playing, playing sports, you know, and I, and I wanted to help with that transition. I didn't want, I don't want athletes to have to, you know, you know, let's say go through something that I went through where I was hurt and I didn't work for a year, but luckily mm -hmm. I had enough saved up to purchase a house and not work for a couple of years. You know, but right. if you don't have to have a transition like that, then why, mm -hmm. why, why do that? And so I really wanted to help athletes in that regard. And, and that's what, you know, we started to do. And, and by doing that, I'm getting just reconnect, like fully, really, fully, fully, fully reconnected with everyone. And, and it came to the point where it's just like, I, like, I love sports. Like, I love sports. I don't know why, like, you're torturing yourself and trying to be stubborn. Like, this is something that you love to be around, what you love to do. So you should do that. And by doing that, I ended up leaving the firm and going to the NBA league office where they have a program for former NBA and WNBA players to kind of learn the business side of basketball and I did a rotation where I was going around the different departments and seeing what I liked, seeing what I different didn't like. I ended up settling in the international department where we were helping international players who wanted to come to the States uh, and play basketball. So given my background, like I now it's like a lot of my friends are coaches, like a ton of my friends are college coaches. And so it would just be super easy. And if I don't know them, I'm one degree away from a college coach. So just really connecting with them and connecting with, um, you know, the athletes and, and really just getting them in a position to 
you know, say, hey, I think I have a player that, that would fit your system really well. You know, why don't you give her a look? And so that went, that went really well. And I ended up leaving, going there to go to Nike because the way that I saw my future was, okay, I can, I can still do this, but, you know, I want to get on the men's side, but I'm kind of stuck on the women's side here. And I have like no really opportunity to get into the men's side mm-hmm. of things. And I, even though, you know, you're at the league office, so who's to say that I wouldn't because you just, the one thing that the league office provides is access. So you have access to everybody, you know, and if you have a question you can literally just find their email and email them on any team, any, anybody you want to really. And, or if you see them, like, it's a great networking company to work at because you just see and get to do things that you don't get you wouldn't get a chance to do anyplace else um so I was able to network and you know I ended up going to Nike and one of the reasons why I wanted to go to Nike is because a lot of teams hire marketing people from Nike or or in the agency world so I went there and I worked for Jordan brand um in the women's the kids division where I helped um, manage that process. And I was kind of like the liaison between all the different departments to make sure everybody's on track and make sure they have everything that they need um, in communication with people from um, Asia, from China. And just, you know, sometimes we'd have meetings at, you know, midnight because you're talking to someone who's on the other side of the world, you know, because it's only like six o'clock, you know, in the morning there. And so there's a lot of times you had to compromise and working, you know, from Pittsburgh, but being, you know, a Portland based, a West Coast based company. Um, sometimes that got kind of hard because I, I mean, I didn't mind starting my day a little bit later, but, you know, I'd work until like eight o'clock, sometimes even later than that. And, I'm, and then I'm like, man, I'm tired, go to sleep. And then you're like, holy crap, like I'm back at work again. Like I didn't do anything that I needed to do outside of work. You know, you just end up right back. <laughs> you know, you're like, holy crap, I, did, I needed to go to the store. I needed to do that. But by the time you're done, everything's closed. Right. Um, and so um, I ended up there. You know, sometimes you just got to tell people what you want to do. And I think that's how this Boston opportunity came about is really just opening opening my mouth and just being like, hey, this is what I want to do. And, I, and a lot of times it's really great to just have somebody advocating for you when you're not in the room. Absolutely. You know, and so I think throughout this entire time, I've carried myself very well. I've done the work and, and people recognize that. And when, and I'm a reliable person, so, and a a good person. And so I try to hang my hat on those things because when you're, you know, when someone, when the opportunity arises, you want people to say, Hey, I think I got somebody. Right. You know, I think I got somebody. And and if that's the case, at least it, it can do is just open an opportunity to network into and to maybe get an interview. And once you get in there, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> you know, you, you do the rest. And yeah. if they're confident in you, they know that you're going to do a really good job in that interview and you're going to represent them very well. And that's essentially kind of what, what happened, what I did with the Boston situation, you know? And so, um, and you know, a friend of mine, she reclused herself from the interviewing process. Cause she was just like, I, you know, we're really good friends. And she was like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. 
So there's no biases on why I'm there or anything. You know, I got there because I know basketball very well and I'm still learning and I'm still improving on learning the men's game as well as I know the the women's game. And, you know, I just continue to grind and continue to work hard. And she knew that I would do that. And the rest is the rest is history. Um, and so now I'm a scout for the Celtics. Awesome. And and it's really cool. I I, I mean, I watch so much film. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. The amount of film and games that I watch and and you're just like, man, there's a lot of film and, and you just continue to grow. And, and, and they've been so patient with me because they know like, Hey, we, they've been doing this for years. Um, a lot of the guys that I work with, so they know they have a baseline of, you know, players probably going back 10 years, you know, and they can remember, you know, what high school they went to and, and they've watched them grow into NBA players where I don't have that background. Like the top, the top guys, yeah, I know because you see them all the time. You follow and you're like, oh, let me check their game out. And you like, you know, but I'm talking about the guy who's a mid-major who went to Lee High who got drafted. Like, mm-hmm. who knew about CJ McCollum? Right. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the normal average fan wouldn't have known about CJ McCollum. And so, you know, now I'm building up this database for myself. Um, and it, and it's, they've been so great and so helpful. Um, I'm really happy to go into a program, a program, a, a, a organization such as the Celtics, because it's historic and they want to win. And, and it's, uh, and I'm around a lot of good people all the time. And by night I get to do a little broadcasting, which is a lot of fun. Um, doing that as well for the Liberty. And I've done some work with, um, all Liberty games, Mm-hmm. But with a lot of different networks such as Fox and um, CBS Sports, so I'm still trying to grow that as well. And I love to continue to do that and do more uh, broadcasting along the way. Awesome, awesome, awesome! You're killing it. Um, so as far as being a scout, mm-hmm. that is such a coveted role. And so earlier you had said that you really wanted to get over to the men's side. Why was that something that was so important to you? Because also being a scout, there I'm sure that there aren't many people that look like you <laughs> that are scouts in the NBA. No, so, no. you know, what does that look like? Why was that so important to you? Uh, it was it was important because I I want a lot of these, and I've always been you know very comfortable around guys. You know, even when I was a kid, you know, being the only girl on an all boys basketball team, yeah, it, it's a, a comforting. It's a situation that I'm comfortable in, and but I, I'm trying to. I, I want to pave a way for other females to do more. You know, when they come up, because I want them to know that hey, we're very capable of doing doing these same jobs that that have generally and typically been male dominated throughout the throughout the, the history of, of sports. Like there's not very many women at all in sports and, and you were one in a very high position as well. And you rocked it and you're still in sports and still rocking it. And, you know, people like us, we, we are people who, yes, we're going to, we'll take, we'll take on the challenge. We'll take on the challenge that, that, you know, there's going to be snide remarks. There's going to be this, there's going to be that people are going to say they only got it because they're a woman. They're only got it because they're black. And, mm-hmm. but we're here to prove that, no, we got it because we're intelligent and right. we know the job. 
No, absolutely. Um, and so also too, you spoke about advocates who speak for up for you when you're not in the room. And I, oh my gosh, I preach. That's so very important is to have people like that in your corner and a part of your network. Mm -hmm. um, how have you cultivated those relationships? And also I have another question where it's, I'm wondering for you, are those people mostly males or are those people mostly females um, coming from the sport industry? Uh, I, I mean, it's so important to have, you know, people speaking on your behalf because oftentimes I'm not, I'm not the decision maker, you know, right. and, and I need people who may know the decision maker, but they're sitting in that room with the decision maker mm -hmm. to, to say, oh, you know, I think somebody would fit in with the culture really well here. And, you know, it's just so important. And how I've cultivated those relationships is essentially just being myself. You know, mm -hmm. I can't, I can't, I am, I am not a great liar. I am not a great, <laughs> I like, I know my strengths and lying is not one of them. My mom told me early on, she was just like, I don't even know why you're trying to lie. Like, I know every time that you lie, like you're, you're better off telling the truth. So I was like, all right, you got a point there. <laughs> like, I'm just bad at it. And, and, you know, I just, I'm just myself, you know, and mm -hmm. I think a lot of people throughout the years have just told me, you know, one of my best strengths is just, I'm genuine, you know, I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm not asking for anything. I'm, you know, if I need help, you know, that I need help. And, and I could have an honest conversation because I don't typically want anything from anybody. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's just, I just enjoy your company and enjoy the relationship that we're, that we're building. I, and I, you know, just love that camaraderie and, and just like, yeah, like, let's do this. You know what I mean? And oftentimes it's not, it's not oftentimes, even when I talk to you, Karen, most of the time our conversations aren't about work. No. You know, it's about life, you know, and I think that's how you build relationships with people. It's like often like, like a lot of times people need a break from work. You know, right. they don't want to, they don't want to talk about it. And so if you're able to hold a conversation, an intelligent conversation about other things, you know, then I think that brings a lot a lot of value. And then if you need to have a conversation about work, you know, they're willing to do that, but also it's another intelligent conversation because you're capable of having those types of conversations. And, you know, and I have people who are you know, male, female, for example, I um Nico, who's the GM for Dallas, he used to work at Nike. And our relationship started um, because we were playing Papa Shot. You know, the Papa Shot basketball where you yeah. play, you're like firing the basketballs. I'm you know, terrible trying, at that. <laughs> trying, to get, <laughs> trying to get as many baskets as possible. Like that's literally how our, you know, relationship started. Our friendship restarted. It was just you know, I could, I could beat your score and I'm like, prove it. <laughs> like, like, that's literally how our relationship started. And I would text them and just be like, you can't beat my record. You know, like oftentimes, like that's how it was. And, and when he got the, the position at, you know, the GM position with Dallas, like I texted him, congratulated him. And I was so happy for him. And, and when I got the position in Boston, I text him to let him know, like, hey, I just wanted to let you know I, I left Nike and I'm in Boston. And this is what I'm going to be doing. Unbeknownst mm -hmm. to me, 
he texts Brad Stevens, who is the head of, you know, basketball operations, president of basketball operations. Right. And he's like, you have a good one in Ashley. And I didn't. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't ask him to do that. I didn't ask him to do anything. So Brad comes up to me. He's like, hey, like, you know, Nico very well. I'm like, yes, Nico's my guy. Like, love him to death. He's like a big brother, you know, and which he is. You know, if I have questions about anything, like he'll take my call. And if he can't take it, he'll respond when he can. Like, it's not. And 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 he was just like, yeah, he texted me about you. And I was like, he did? Like, I was shocked. Like, I had no clue. But that's the type of, like relationship that he and I have that unbeknownst to me he's still he's texting on on behalf of me mm-hmm. and and those are the type of relationships you want you want to have and and if like he has a he has some things that are coming up and he asked for my help with and and I'm like of course I got you you know it doesn't matter that we're on different teams he has he asked me to help him and I'm gonna help him you know mm-hmm. and so it's just you know one of those things and that's how you build chemistry and relationships and, you know, and long lasting friendships that, and we, and he was Kobe's best friend and he and I have never talked about Kobe. Oh, wow. Like we've, we've not had one conversation about Kobe and that was his best friend. Wow. That's pretty unbelievable. I mean, but you're, you're pretty, you're easy to talk to and you're a very genuine person. So I could see you kind of having like an effortless being able to, you know, cultivate those types of relationships, but that's really an intangible skill. You know, Mm -hmm. I definitely think that, um, especially in the sport industry, I feel like it's not just about who, you know, it's about who, you know, and who knows you, like who's actually going to say, you know, you said something really important about people knowing that you would fit into a cult really has to know you. They have to be able to express to other people that they know you on that level. You know, um, I think even in my experience, I've had some people where I thought, you know, girl, I feel like I know them and they know me, but um, it's step to be in those professional spaces and to say your name, right? you know, or to, um, to actually say out loud to other people like, hey, Carol would be a great fit for this, you know, and so um, that's that, that intangible thing, you know, from getting from point A to point B of like, yes, maybe we have this relationship and I feel like I've cultivated it, but getting over that hump to that person that they really feel connected to you in a way that they would advocate for you. Well, um, important because their name's on the line too. Absolutely. Their name is on the line too, you know, so if you're, if they're speaking on your behalf, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person as well that's like, I don't want to, like, I want to make sure I have their back too. Cause they put mm-hmm. something on the line to say, I could be, I could do the job, you know, oh, so yeah. their reputation's on the line as well. You know, if, if I come in and I do a shitty job, they're going to, you know, they're, somebody's going to look at them differently the next time that they, you know, may, may say, give another person's name. Absolutely. You'll be diminishing their credibility. No, I definitely people have made lifelong friends in me. If they've if they've said something and put me on or said, Kara did, you know, Kara did this and it comes back to me. I mean, you they don't even know, like, I'm I'm there for you. I've got you. <laughs> like um, I, I know how important that is. So, you know, I really appreciate that type of professional currency. Um, you know, you definitely need that in your network. Um so one thing that I want to touch on 
is during this time of racial reckoning that we've kind of experienced since 2020, mm-hmm. um, do you feel like that has impacted at all in some of these spaces that are very white and very male dominated um, and the sport industry being one of those main institutions, you know, I think that uh, also is not incredibly diverse all the way up to the leadership. But mm-hmm. do you think that there's been, I know there's been calls for change across all types of sectors, but do you see a shift? Um, do you feel like some of this stuff when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion is more performative or, you know, from the inside out, you've worked in some of these incredible organizations that are, like I said, such coveted positions and places to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, are you seeing these shifts or do you think that that's something that's a little bit more far off? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. Like, I think there's definitely been a shift, um, you know, where, Industries have been looking to hire, especially black women, um, and mm-hmm. they've look, and they're looking to hire black female athletes. Mm. So I've seen I've seen some some of that happening. And the thing that I just want to keep happening is, you know, once we are able to get in. To, to break down some of these barriers is to continue to break them down. So when we're now able to, you know, hire or plug other people in that we're, that we're doing so is that there are also people, people who are capable of doing the job and, and continue to, to look out for other, you know, athletes and, and keeping them in mind as well when you're, when you're having these positions are available. Um, and I just saw that Portland just hired um, Sheree Sam as a scout. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's awesome. And Asia is now working there. Asia Jones is now working there in the front office as well. So you're starting to see a little bit more of diversity and coming in and stuff like that. And, and it's important because women give different perspective. You know, so there's things that have probably been going on a certain way. And you're just like, no, nah, th- th- we could be more efficient in doing it X, Y, and Z. And, or we can, this is, there's a better way of doing this, or have you thought of this? And, and that, that happens all the time when you hire diversity, there's always a different perspective and sometimes a better way of doing things that you would have never known because everyone who's sitting in the room is a white male. Right. But also too, sometimes do you think that it is, I mean, is it, helpful or not helpful when you're in these spaces, if you're just the one lone female voice, you know, sometimes I get um, irritated with that as well, where it's like, okay, so they've made this one diversity hire. And it's like, you're, you're outside of the boys club, you know, obviously, but then are you going to be able to speak up for yourself? Because there's going to be these invisible barriers, you know, that are holding you back or that are maybe making you feel pressured to stay silent. Right. So it's just, um, you know, how do you overcome that? Well, I, I will tell you the one thing that we do in Boston is that when we, when we have a meeting about your division or the people that, you know, you're scouting and looking at closely, Um, Brad gives everybody a chance to talk. Oh, okay. So our meetings, everyone has a chance to talk. And so they'll, 
the, if if it's you know we're talking about G League call up eligible players, <laughs> you know, so all the scouts we all have different divisions that we that we manage, and within that meeting, we are going to talk about everyone will have an opportunity to talk, and you know, and I think one of the things that and one of the things that we do too is like, hey, you know, if this person in your division, it's like Ashley, what do you think? You know, and they'll go around and and ask you, like, Ashley, what do you think? When I first got there, Brad was like, hey, Ash, are you following? And I'm like, I am. And he's like, all right, <laughs> what do you think? And so, like, they'll just call you out on the spot and ask you, you know, what are your thoughts? Or, you know, or if everyone gets a vote, you know, when something's about to happen, everyone gets a vote. And like, should we do this or should we not do this? Like, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this? Um, and so I think as a new person coming in, that kind of brings down a lot of those even barriers that that you may have put up yourself that you, you don't even know, you know, just because you're the only female and maybe in some in some situations, maybe the only black person in the room. So like you have to, you probably put up barriers yourself unbeknownst to you. Yeah. And, and they kind of made it he, he's made it easier to kind of speak your mind. And that, and once I get even more comfortable and have more of a baseline of what's going on, like I'll, I'll definitely feel comfortable, even more comfortable to speak up on like, nah, I don't think we should do that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and have my reasonings as to why. And, you know, and even in some of those meetings, like I, in retrospect, I'm like, man, I probably should have said the reason why I thought that, you know, so mm-hmm. it, everything's been a growing experience, but I think you also have to be a strong person in this environment because, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to get challenged. Like, ah, I don't, I don't think that, like, I don't think he's as good as this person or I don't see this, you know, I think it's a step down, but you have to be willing to say, okay, like I see your opinion and it's fine that you don't agree with me, but this is what I think. And, and this is what I believe. And I've had meetings where I've said some things and, and I've gotten support, like where, you know, Brad's like, I agree with Ashley. I agree hundred percent with what she's saying. So like, it's good to hear those things in meetings that gives you the courage and the confidence to be like, hey, I guess I do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. you know? And even though, you know, you know what you're talking about, but sometimes you just need a little bit of like reinforcement to be like, all right, you know, you're doing good. You're, you're on the right path. Absolutely. So it sounds like it has to come from the culture or the top down from the organization that you're affiliated with, Um, which, you know, we both know that's not always the case. So that's awesome, though, that you have found that um, in the organization that you're with now. Um, So what would you tell your younger self? What would be like the best advice that you would give to yourself that you've learned along the way? Um, I would say, you know, I think that there was a, a point where probably like my confidence was a little bit shattered a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I would just say always just have unwavering confidence, unwavering, unwavering confidence in, in whatever you're going to do, because it, you're, it's going to, it's going to be fine. Like it's going to be fine. And and you're going to succeed. And, th- and that's the one thing that I've learned, um, 
you know, one time I was having a conversation with uh, Gino and I was kind of, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And he gives really good advice, you know, when you're, when you're doing things and, and I'm just like, Hey, wh- what are your thoughts on this? You know? Mm-hmm. And he's, and he's like, and he start he starts like, you could see he's thinking and then he starts giving like this like stank face. And I'm like, and I'm like, I don't really know what's about to come out of his mouth right now. Like it can, it can, <laughs> like, I'm like, it can either be something that's like really, really like prophetic, or he's about off to the wall. Or he's about to make fun of me. It's about to be like it's about to be like one or the other. And and what he what he said was he was like, look, he's like, A B, whatever you've put your mind to something, you've accomplished it and accomplished it well. And, and he's like, you've never, and, and I've had, you know, let's say f- like failures in my life, of course, like everyone has, but, but he's like, you've always done well. You've always succeeded. You've all, whenever you focused and, and you wanted to get it done, you've gotten it done. Like nothing has stopped you to this point, you know? And, and I think that's, you know, the one thing I would just keep in the back of my mind is like, unwavering confidence and whenever you put your mind to something you're capable of doing anything awesome um what do you think has been your superpower like what is your thing that makes you you uh the thing that makes me me um i would say i am like an extremely optimistic person Mm-hmm. And, and I always look at the good in people, you know, and, yeah, and I, I don't have that power. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got that from my mom, you know, but I'm like a very realistic person, but I, I always try to see the good in people until you've like crossed the line that I'm just like, I'm done with you. But it, but for the most part, I'm like, you know, a genuine person who tries to find the good in people do you have a mentor and if you do or do not like why would you think that's important for somebody that's trying to work in sports oh for sure I mean having mentors are extremely important I and I have I have a ton of mentors sometimes I only I don't know if they know that they're I was gonna say do they know they are your mentor (laughs) I don't know if they know, but, but they are, you know, I think you could have, I think there's, there's two types of mentors that you can have, you know, one that you actually have a relationship with and, and you bounce ideas off of and you get um, advice and you, and you, um, you know, you're able to, and they're, and, and sometimes mentors are able to plug you in different places because they're in a different world that you're in. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes you can have mentors that, that you just admire from afar and you try to, you know, do some of the things that, that they have done and, or do some of the things that you're just like, man, that was so great. Like that, what they said was like, so good. And you try to apply some of those things to your life. Um, Absolutely. And I, and, and sometimes, I mean, there's a tons of mentors I have that they don't even know. They don't even know. Yep. Don't even know. But it's, it's so important to have mentors. And, and to be mentees, you know, like I, I've mentored some, some people and, you know, I hope I've done correct by them. And, 
And I think, you know, oftentimes like, I'm, like people are busy. Mm-hmm. Like people are busy. And so when you come to them, you gotta, you gotta come correct, you know, because time is <laughs> of the essence. And a lot of times if you, if you want to be a very good mentee, come with an agenda of what you want to talk about. Send it the day before your meeting with them, come with an agenda and bang it out because if their time is, is valuable, especially if they're in that next tier of, of things and of, of money and jobs. Like I, like, for example, there's a guy, I actually met him on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and he was, he was the CEO of Cohen Resnick, which is a top five accounting firm in New York City, one of the top five accounting firms. And he, and, and when I was in finances, I went on LinkedIn and I just connected with everybody who went to UConn. It didn't matter. I was just like, connect, 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 <laughs> connect, connect, connect. And come to find out, he went to UConn. He already knew about me because I played basketball there and, and I have, um, you know, he's been a mentor of mine for like the last probably six years now where we talk really regularly and we'll go to dinner. Um, I'll go to dinner with, with him and his wife and we, you know, he gives me ideas and I bounce stuff off of him. He's asked me to do like, um, I think he's going to, I don't know, but I don't know. He, but he's asked me to sit in on some board meetings that he's just like, you know, you need to do more boards. And so like, he'll be like, all right, you're going to be my guest on this board. And I'm like, okay. And I just, <laughs> I just sit in there and, but it's a great like learning experience. And, and you're trying to like, uh, you know, diversify your, your connections and your network. And, and you're just like, Oh, like this is a whole nother world, but all right. Like I'm game to learning how to do these things, you know? No, absolutely. Um, I think that's incredible advice, you know, as far as making sure you have an agenda. If somebody's busy and you're excited about talking to them and having them mentor you, you have to know exactly what it is that you want from them or think you know exactly what it is that you want from them just so that you can, you know, let them know that you're serious about taking up their time, um, you know, and that you're ambitious and you're trying to do something with your career and that you think that they can help you achieve those goals. So I, I think that's incredible advice. Um, I've, I've done a lot of um, networking on LinkedIn myself. And um, when people ask me questions, you know, there'll be people who are students or they're in sport management and stuff, or they're getting their PhD in sport management. And they've been on my page, ask me a bunch of different questions. I tried my hardest to answer questions, but I can't take you know, just random phone calls, you know, or there's been people that have been like, Oh, here's my phone number. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not calling you. I, so like, I'm like, and, and now today, you know, post whatever, whatever, whatever stage we're in, in the pandemic. Um, now it's like all these zoom calls. I'm like, I have six zoom calls back to back. Like, I don't have time to to call you or to text you to see if you're available to, so it just, you know, so yeah, definitely have to have a game plan uh, when reaching out to people to be right. your true life mentor. And, oh my just- and, and oftentimes, you know, I've, 
because I, I get the same thing, you know, how do I get into sports? Yeah. How do I get? And that's like a lot of the questions. This is what I want to do. I want to be in the front office. How did you do it? How did yeah. you do it? You get in here. And I'm like, look, my journey is not going to be the same as your journey. Right. You know, because like I come from, I come from an industry that is already like a lot of these guys are like my brothers. You know, if mm -hmm. I see Ron Butler, he's my brother. We went to UConn together. So that's a whole different type of relationship building, you know, because I've already, I've already have 20 years of relationships with him, mm -hmm. you know? And so, and, and I keep telling them all the time. I'm just like, look, you're doing right. If I'm talking to you, you're doing right, but you need a hundred of me's. <laughs> like you gotta, you gotta go and hit everybody, you know, and you got a network. And I think if you're, if you're able to, to come off being genuine and, and not thirsty, I think you got a shot. I think you got a shot because like, we, like everybody's going to get a message all the time and, and you got a network, you got to be where people are, you yeah. know, so, I tell people all the time, if you want to be in sports, you got to be where they are. Like, where where are they going to be at? You're going to be at the Final Four. And it's an expensive trying to get in there because if you want to go to these events, it's going to be expensive. You got to yeah. be in the Final Four. You got to go to Vegas. You got to go, you know, Summer League. You got to go to G League Showcase. If, and you don't have to go to the show, the actual event. You just got to be where they are. So yeah. you can talk to somebody randomly, somebody who's walking down with, like, a Laker, you know, a shirt on you know what i mean so you gotta you gotta be where people are and you have to have the confidence to go up to somebody and articulate well and talk to them and if you and if they like you you've done a great job if you get their number you've done a great job and when you get their number you got to reach out you can't just have their number and just show your friends like oh i got this person's number from the lakers no you got to be like hey how's it doing oh i saw that the, i saw you played this person the other day man great game you know you gotta you gotta reach out and connect that's how you build relationships you can't just hold on to it and not do anything and oftentimes you don't have to say you're not expecting a conversation back it's literally just boom i saw you guys play the game hell of a job win the double overtime awesome that's it yeah yeah um i feels like a hundred years ago i went to all-star in um phoenix so i don't even know what year that was and um, I don't know if I had started my doctorate yet or if I was finishing up my master's, but like you said, I wasn't trying to, like, I was trying to hang out and have fun, but at the same time it was it's a blast, <laughs> right? But I wanted to meet with different people and get face to face. And so I asked if I could buy different people a coffee, you know, and then it was more of just, yeah, I just wanted to have that FaceTime and be able to let them know what it is that I wanted to do or what I was hoping to do with my career. Um, because I, you know, I, I often, I've taught, so I tell my students all the time, like, you know, you're, you think you want to do something, you don't know until you actually get there. And then you still might want to do it someplace else. You might just not be in the right organization, you know, <laughs> right. people have now muddied up what it is you think you want to do. Um, so, you know, what I thought that I wanted to do at the time. And so it was just to get into their face and to shake their hands and to, you know, be able to say who I was and yeah, it, relationships. So then when I'm harassing them and giving them a shout out 
for, you know, seeing maybe they took a step in their career, they moved to a different organization, they had a promotion, their team won, you know, then I'm able to reach out and be like, remember, I bought you a coffee at All Star. You know, so I'm, I'm not just some creeper. Like we've actually, we've met, we've spoken. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that people could get more creative when it comes to networking, but you know, I think harassing people on LinkedIn and just sending back to back to back messages when you're not getting a response that you want, because you haven't really asked me a question. You're just trying to shoot the breeze or (laughs) that's the quickest way to get blocked. (laughs) It's like, no, it's not going to work. Um, so yeah, so that's really great advice. Um, well, I, I think that's, that's it. I feel like um, we should just end on that little gem. Um, I've definitely been super excited to talk to you. And so this has exceeded my expectations. Um, But uh, I thank you for your time. And I'm super excited to see as you continue on in your career as being a scout, like what's going to be next for you. That's going to be super exciting. Um, And how do the people get in touch with you or how do the people follow you and harass you? What, what social media platforms are you on? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Ashley battle. I'm on Instagram, Ashley battle, and I'm on Twitter, the battle zone. Oh, wow. That one's a little little aggressive, but it's like, it's like battle (laughs) underscore. It's like the underscore battle underscore zone. Oh, wow. That one's aggressive. Yeah, I'm a little scared to. Yeah, I, and I could, and I can't change it because I'm already verified on Twitter. And if I change, oh, yeah, you got to keep it. It's like <laughs> they're gonna like take my verification down. I don't do that whole process, and I'm just like stuck with the battle zone. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You have to keep the blue check. Um, well, I will add that information and so that people will be able to connect with you but thank you again for being on the podcast um and super excited to see as your career continues to flourish thank you thank Um, you thank you so much this was fun thank you